Jack Ryan. If you want to serve your country, join my unit. The CIA. Yep. I, Jack Ryan, do solemnly swear that I will protect the United States against all enemies. So help me God. There's a very real scenario here where we don't get out of this alive, any of us. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and Happy New Year, Happy 2014, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, the first sort of regular classic-style show of this year, uh, and uh, it's good to be back and doing this. Uh, last week we had Rick Moyer do a year-in-review show, thanks so much for that, Rick, and this will be podcast this week of 471, January 12th, 2014, yeah. <laughs> Didn't I just say that? <laughs> it's 2014. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, the last week, um, the weather here has been rather crazy, so I, uh, I, I maybe my brain is a little frozen. I'll talk more about that a little bit on the beginning of the podcast. But well, what we're going to cover today is a TNG episode from Season 4 called Galaxy's Child. We've also uh, got a new... Uh, set of comments and a cool new song by rick moyer we've got a music moment by vartok and a whole lot more so uh, let's do this i'm captain kirk ladies and gentlemen may i present the winners of the 74th annual hunger games we are the men in black I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futurist of War. Resistance is futile. Straight flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Oh. 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 Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, folks, I am back. Uh, welcome again to the show proper. Uh, <laughs> the the first part of the show was the improper part of the show, right? Yeah. The bit I played at the very beginning of today, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, you know, there was a time where I would edit bloopers like that out, but nope, don't bother anymore. So the... Um, the bit that I played at the very beginning of today's podcast was for this new movie called Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit that's coming out next Friday or this upcoming Friday uh, starring Chris Pine as the new, younger, tougher, uh, and less experienced Jack Ryan from those uh, books, uh, the Clancy books. Anyway, the reason that I played that for a couple things, well, one, obviously, Chris Pine, uh, we all know him from this Trek movies, Abram, Abram the... <laughs> Oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? I haven't talked in, you know, uh, or podcasted in a while. Anyway, um, 
the uh, you know, of course, he was in. He played Kirk in the last couple of Trek movies, and there's uh, a lot of similarities to me in this in the. In the uh, this trailer and what I've been seeing on TV for this movie, you know, we've got Kevin Costner recruiting him. He's playing like the Christopher Pike role here. And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, join the CIA. You know, good old Mr. Chris Pine, Jack Ryan. Hey, join Starfleet, uh, Kirk. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, stop getting in bar fights. Uh, anyway, I'll go see this. I like these books and, and, and movies, and uh, I'm sure I'll go see this one. It looks pretty exciting. looks pretty cool. So... But really, does he have to ride a motorcycle in every movie that he does? You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's in his contract. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the weather has been rather ridiculous the last uh, week or so in Michigan and, and much of the United States and in other areas, Canada. And, you know, I think, I don't know if the whole world is frozen, but we had the, some of the worst weather, according to the records, in the last 20 to 25 years here in Michigan. Uh, we had sub-zero temperatures for a few days. Uh, it was down to almost 20 below where I live, and that's a real 20, uh, negative 20 F, and with the wind chill like minus 35, 40 uh, at least uh, for a day or two. And the other thing is we got about a foot and a half about, give or take a few inches of, of snow here, which turned into a real nightmare to uh, clear and is still uh, just all over the place. We've had the last day or two, it kind of warmed up a bit. We got above freezing and even rained slightly. We were in the like mid to upper 30s yesterday, and it even rained a little bit. So a lot of the uh, snow is sort of dissipating, and we still got a ton around, but, uh, you know, the, the roads are just a mess still. There's huge potholes, and it's just terrible and ridiculous. I, I, I what, what really struck me this week was just how long it just kind of didn't move or go anywhere. You know, we had such cold weather. I don't know if the salt that they use on the roads, it doesn't work very well in that kind of cold. But they, they kind of cleared it the first day or two, and then they just kind of stopped. And there was, you know, streets were narrower because of all the snow and, and all that. So here's your weather report. Uh, but uh, I don't mind the snow quite as much as those nasty, nasty cold temperatures. I mean, it's just, just so bad. You can't even go outside for very long. And um, it's just dangerous. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the pets and you know Kaylee we we only let her out for a brief brief time to do her business when uh when it was that cold and got her right back in but you know there are all these stories on the news about people leaving their dogs outside for you know way too long and it just makes me crazy and sad too it's just awful so uh, don't do that people um but I hope everybody's doing okay hope everyone survived this craziness and I'm uh, ready to talk some geek uh geek stuff uh, first thing I thought I would go over is there's a a bunch of new things, either returning shows or uh, existing shows coming back in the last week or so, and I'm going to kind of just pop in my head here. They're just going to sort of randomly pop out, and uh, first one I want to talk about is um, this new show with Josh Holloway from Lost uh, called Intelligence. It, I guess it's kind of a sci-fi, you know, future-y kind of show, but uh, basically he's a he's a, a government agent type guy, you know, ex-Green Beret kind of tough type guy, and uh he has this uh, little chip put into his head, which allows him, and I've only seen one episode, only one episode has aired so far, uh, but they put this little computer chip in his head, which gives him access to pretty much the World Wide Web, the Internet, everything, and associated databases, and he can, you know, he can get into pretty much any system, it seems. But uh, rather than it just allowing him to pull up information, his, his brain can sort of extrapolate from it, too. It's a little difficult to explain, but it, it's very cool so far. I thought the th the first episode was good. 
they've assigned him this female uh, agent to sort of protect him to be almost his bodyguard which is kind of funny because he's pretty good on his own but um and john billingsley here here's a connection to trek uh who played of course dr flox on enterprise he's in it as one of the scientists and i'm not sure if he's going to be a regular every week it looks kind of like he's in the next episode i think so i, I i'm assuming he's going to be kind of a semi-regular he's kind of the scientist who who created the chip in that and uh but uh, yeah it's it's pretty cool so far and i like it and josh holloway's a good a good actor he's fun to watch i i, I think he could uh you know he a little he had a little role in that uh, mission impossible movie that last one and, and uh i don't know if he's i guess there's a couple other movies i, I think he's going to be in um there's a movie where he plays a military guy. Is is he in the um, something new coming up with The Rock? I think, or am I thinking of um, the Expendables? The next Expendables, he might be in that too. I'm not sure, but uh, but anyway, I think the guy could have a great big movie career too. I mean, he, he's got he's definitely an action you know adventure kind of character star, and I think he could do a lot. I think he could be a uh, you know kind of kind of you know Tom Cruise doesn't have to do everything. Ben Affleck doesn't have to do everything, and uh, it's uh or chris pine so or matt damon or whatever but uh yeah so i'm watching that and let's see what else we've got going on i i also watched yesterday the first couple of episodes of this new show from ron moore on the sci-fi channel called helix and this is basically a show about um there's a, a, a installation kind of i don't know if it's supposed to be private i guess it's private somewhat private installation private company uh, up near the Arctic Circle, and they're doing research, and kind of things go amok, and a disease kind of breaks out and makes people, certain people go crazy, they get it. Uh, anyway, there's um, the CDC, uh, Billy Campbell is in this show, who was the outrageous Okana from uh, that episode of TNG, uh, and he also played, or almost was going to be a Riker. He was also almost going to be the actor to play Riker on TNG. Anyway, he is the main CDC guy, uh, Alan uh, Farragut, I think is his name. You know, this is a Ron Moore series. Of course, Ron did the, the awesome reboot of Galactica, and uh, he's writing this and executive producing it and all that good stuff. So, you know, it's uh, the first couple of episodes. They're sort of setting the stage with the characters and the premise. And uh, also Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, is going to be in this series too. I think it looks like she pops up maybe in the next episode. They showed some previews for upcoming this season on, on this uh, show. So I think it's supposed to be a regular series, not just a mini series. You know, at least it's going to get a season. We'll see what happens. But uh, I don't want to say too much. It just was out. Uh, it's going to be rerun to death all over the Sci-Fi Channel. So I'm sure you can catch it. You can probably catch it online. So uh, I'll watch it for a few episodes. So far, though, I mean, it's it's okay. But I feel that it's it's a little derivative, you know. I mean, the scientists are working on some you know, virus thing, and, and it looks like it's sort of a military-related, you know, application, maybe ways to alter the genetic uh, makeup of, uh, or the helix, hence the name, the, the DNA helix of, of humans to give them, I don't know, almost like augments, give them super strength and, and whatever, maybe, it, maybe make them weapons, make them disease carriers to infiltrate countries that you want to take out, although I don't know how you control that unless you inoculate, I guess, your population against the disease. I, I, I sure hope you got an antidote before you set something like that loose. But so far, we'll, we'll see what happens with this show. So that's on the Sci-Fi channel. Also, uh, some other Sci-Fi uh, favorites of mine are coming back tomorrow. Being Human and Lost Girl, which has already been showing up in Canada. Uh, there's also a new show called Bitten. 
that uh, I didn't. I don't know too much about. It's a werewolf kind of thing. Laura Vandervoot, or Voot, or however you say her last name. She was on Smallville. She was also on that new version of V, the blonde, uh, younger blonde that was on. Uh, she played Kara or Supergirl on on the Smallville series. Anyway, she's on this bitten werewolf show that's starting uh, also on the Sci-Fi Channel tomorrow. Uh, Archer, the animated series, the spy series that's very fun, is coming back. Uh, that's tomorrow. There's a lot of stuff on Monday nights now. That intelligence show is on Monday nights, at least in the U.S. Uh, your your listings may vary wherever you're at. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and then Arrow comes back this week, which is great. Grimm has returned. Uh, just, a, just a ton of cool stuff to watch. I'm also, you know, on a non-sci-fi note, I got for Christmas, one of the things I got was the last season, uh, season six of Mad Men, which is just a fantastic series, just a great series. I love it, and I'm, I'm like, I have one episode left to watch, which I'm going to watch later today, of season six getting ready for. I think I just heard the season seven premiere for Mad Men. The last season is uh, premiering in April, and they are splitting that season into two halves, I think I've heard stretching it out for like another year i think they're going to show the first half in 2014 and the last half in 2015 so ugh, just just uh too much to keep up with i was almost going to go see that hercules that new hercules movie this weekend but i just didn't it was such a tough week i had some stuff to do around the house put away christmas decorations and just relax so i decided not to go and uh i'll probably catch it sometime i watched a few other movies too over the um the holiday break. Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about those and some Trek, other Trek stories and Star Wars news and things like that after this uh, short uh, intermission here where I'm going to play uh, Vartok's uh, latest music moment, which I think involves the movie of The Life of Pi. So uh, uh, take it away, Vartok, and I'll be back in a few. This is Vartok again with another Treks and Sci-Fi music moment. One soundtrack and a few words. For today's moment, I'm going to talk about track number 28 to the original motion picture soundtrack Life of Pi by Canadian film composer Michael Dana. In 2012, a hugely successful movie came out that was represented by the picture of a 16-year-old Indian boy stranded on the deck of a lifeboat with a Bengal tiger, whom we later learn had the name Richard Parker. I went to see the movie knowing very little about it and came away blown out of the water and how much I enjoyed it. The film became a critical success, earning well over $600 million worldwide on a budget of $120 million. At the 85th Academy Awards, it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and won Best Director for Ang Lee. It also won an Oscar for Best Original Score. Michael notes, The most gratifying filmmaking experiences are ones that take effort to unpeel the layers surrounding the heart of the story and to find the best musical expression of that heart. The movie opens with the boy, named Piscine Molitor, or just Pi, telling his life story to a Canadian novelist. 
The family had sold its zoo in India in order to emigrate to Canada. But unfortunately, a storm founders the Japanese freighter, and Pai is stranded on the lifeboat with a zebra, an orangutan, a spotted hyena, and the Bengal tiger Richard Parker. Late in the story, we find out that Pai has switched these animals for people who were actually on board the freighter and then the lifeboat, including a cook who became the hyena, his mother as the orangutan, and a zebra as the Buddhist sailor. And finally, we find out that the one who survived 227 days at sea, Pai was the tiger. When asked which story he preferred, the one with the animals or the one with people, the novelist states, the one with the tiger, because it's a better story. Now listen to this somber and thoughtful track from The Life of Pi and decide which story do you prefer? I hope you enjoyed that music and sci-fi music moment. And now back to you, Rico. All right. Thanks so much for that, Vartaka. I need to see that uh, movie. I've not seen that movie yet, actually. So uh, I got to check it out um, sometime soon. But I did see, let's see, over the holidays, I went out and saw a couple things. I saw 47 Ronin with uh, Keanu Reeves, which I enjoyed. I thought that was pretty good, pretty fun. Uh, also saw that new Anchorman movie, not a not a sci-fi or fantasy thing, but uh, it was kind of funny. And at home, I finally saw the uh, that last Percy Jackson film, uh, and uh, that I, I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the first one, and that this one I thought was fun, too. You know, those are fun, very kind of uh, wholesome-ish movies. You know, there's nothing really 
bad about them. They're good for you know kids, I think, to see, and 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 uh, I, I enjoy them. And cool, some cool effects, and, and and lots of fun in that that film too. I, I also watched uh, Mortal Instruments. This is a crazy title. Mortal Instruments: City of Bones. I think is the full title. Um, I, we Chris we had Chris on uh, one of our recent podcast he was mentioning he really enjoyed that movie a lot and I've been wanting to see it uh, so uh, when he talked about it and and uh, I, I finally got a chance to see it and it was pretty good I've heard it's it's not not uh, anything as good as the book and there's interesting there's been some interesting discussions of books versus films over on the anomaly uh, uh, Facebook page uh, Facebook group the anomaly podcast Facebook group which I urge everyone to join their their group on Facebook and also Treks and Sci-Fi group and the forum for Treks and Sci-Fi. Uh, join us. Uh, yes, join us. Be one of us. Uh, but they've been having these discussions about books versus movies and things, and I've always found them pretty separate. They, it doesn't really bother me. I, 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 I really think it's a very difficult thing to take a, a, a book and, and fully, you know, realize it in a film. I think you, unless it's a very short book, there's always going to be stuff you're going to need to catch out, cut or cut out of it. Sorry, um, but uh, it, it's not an easy thing. I think it's been done in some times better than other times. I, I mentioned on online on Facebook uh, that even the Aragon movie, which I really enjoy those books, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, you know, yeah, pretty much. I, I there was some some stuff that they really should have included in it. I think they could have done a much better job. But I, I got a you know I had some fun with the movie, and I, I I'm glad I saw it. So, uh, but it, it's it's just a hard thing. I've always tried to if it's a book that's um that that has been out, you know, it was written first in book form, uh, you know, not like a movie novelization. Those things are just meant to do two things: capitalize on the movie, make some money off the movie. And, and it's never, you know, like it, it didn't have a book to begin with. Like, you know, a lot of the Star Trek movies, they novelized those in, into book form. And they get to add a little bit more material and stuff. But that's not the same thing. And, uh, you know, the, those, the movie comes first and the book is written down the road, you know. And it is meant to sort of help fill in some gaps and things. But I'm talking about things like the Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potter books, you know, books that have been around for a long time, well, in Harry Harry Potter's case, not so long, and then are eventually turned into a movie, which I think they did a great job with the Harry Potter books. I mean, I think there, there's things they definitely have cut out, but I, I think that's a good example, and Lord of the Rings, I think, pretty well, too, of good examples of, of books being made into pretty, pretty faithful movies. I think they're going overboard with The Hobbit, even though I'm enjoying the movies, but they've, they've certainly just added a ton more into those and and it, I think it's starting to bother some fans that the little bit that I've heard here and there to the, to the degree of how much extra they've added. I have kind of I've kind of come to just sort of say all right, well, that's the, that was, that's what he's doing. I'm not going to be too annoyed by it or bothered by it. I'm just going to try to sit back and enjoy the ride. I I think you know, a couple of movies would have been okay. Turning this into 3 is is really over the top, but uh, um but anyway, uh, yeah, I've always tried to read the books before the movies. I like to get what the original author's uh, version and intent was first to try to form, it, you know, in my imagination, what the characters are like, what they might look like, how they would sound, before I get to see some director and producers and, and cast casting people decide for me what the book should look like. So, you know, like the... Um, the Hunger Games, you know, which I just, you know, I saw the second one. I, I read those before I saw the movie, and uh, I'm really glad that I did 
because I, it gave me a slightly different viewpoint. And, and it also, a lot of times, it makes it easier to follow the movie. Uh, you know, when you when there's pu- stuff cut out and I go, oh, I know what's going on because I've, I've read the book. Um, but um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a tricky thing. And, and this, always, this comparison always comes up now and then, especially when you have a lot of movies in the genre these days being you know, books, series that are being turned into, uh, into films. I'm, I'm glad that they are. I mean, there's some fantastic writing and books out there. I think it's, it's great that they recognize that these things are worth making into movies. Uh, you know, you have to keep th- keep that in mind, I guess, people, when you're, when you're looking at this stuff. I mean, would we rather not have some of these classic works or even, you know, newer, newer classics, uh, or newer series that have been very popular not turned into movies. I mean, it, you can always pick things apart if you want to a little bit, but uh, overall I think they do a pretty good job for the most part. Uh, and uh, it's never really bothered me that much about, you know, oh, that movie, that boy, they really chopped up things uh, and, and and didn't do a good job with it. I mean, there are, again, like I said before, there are sometimes they do it better than others. So, um, But enough about that. I'm going to get into a few quick Trek stories, too. Uh, there is a new Phase 2, Star Trek Phase 2, which was also used to be called Star Trek New Voyages. It's the James Cauley-run fan film, Trek fan film production uh, stuff. Uh, it's been a while since they put out a new episode. They put out one. It came out on January 1st. It's available for viewing. Just go over to YouTube and search for the word Katumba, K-I-T-U-M-B-A. This is basically a Klingon story, and uh, I thought they did a great job with it. So uh, I urge everyone to check that out. It just came out a little more than a week ago, uh, like I said, on New Year's Day, and uh, it's well worth watching. It's it's like a you know a free uh, episode from the original series uh, to watch, and uh, amazing effects. They did a great job with this. So uh, check that out when you get a moment. Also, the third season of Enterprise is out on Blu-ray. You can get a pretty good deal on it right now on Amazon. So check that out when you get a chance. Uh, There's also a new book, uh, that stellar cartography book by Larry Nemechek, who I've interviewed and talked to before on the show. That is out for purchase on Amazon. Uh, What else do we've got in the Trek world? Uh, There's a trailer, a couple-minute trailer for this new fan film from Tim Russ, uh, although you maybe call it a semi-fan, semi-professional film. Uh, Star Trek Renegades, there's a two-minute preview for that. Uh, Should be out the whole episode probably sometime in the summer of 2014. So uh, I think that looks pretty cool. He's got Walter Koenig in it. A lot of people from previous, uh, you know, you'll notice people from other sci-fi shows, people like Robert Picardo from Voyager, Gary Graham, uh, Sean Young is in it, uh, and, and just a whole bunch of people that you're re- you'll recognize uh, uh, from other genre shows. So check that out when you get a chance. Uh, and I think that should just about do it. Uh, everything I really needed to cover uh, before uh, we get into the episode Galaxy's Child uh, it is uh, a TNG episode. It is from season four. Four, and uh, it, this is a fun one, and I think it should be good to cover. I'm on a commentary. Watch the episode right now, in commentary as we watch, uh, or as I watch it, and as you listen to this episode from uh, TNG. Oh, there was one other little Trek story that's it's been popping up. I put it up on the Facebook group. I put it on the forum. But uh, there's a video on YouTube where somebody took all 178 TNG episodes 
and uh, put them into a video, playing them basically all at the same time. It's like a wall of TVs, 178 little tiny windows uh, showing the, the first little bit of each TNG episode, all 178 there. Uh, of course, you can't really hear what's going on. It's just a bunch of noise uh, with all the audio playing from all the different episodes. Uh, but it, it, it is kind of a, just a neat uh, piece of technical wizardry that, that somebody created. So uh, take a look at that when you get a chance if you haven't seen it yet. So uh, I think that's about it. Without any further ado, um, I'll get into... I think I'm going to play a, a promo from a new uh, podcast a listener that he sent to me. I'm going to play that first, and then we're going to go segue right into the TNG episode, uh, Galaxy's Child. So um, here we go, and uh, I'll be uh, talking to you in a moment. Do you like sci-fi, collectibles, gaming, and robots? Because we do. This is Sean. And this is Bridget. We're, we're the Vanderloos, the hosts of The Rusted Robot, a new weekly podcast. Find us in the iTunes store or at therustedrobot.podbean.com. Get rusted today. Robots. Cyborg. Androids. Oh, my. All right, here we go with the episode Galaxy's Child from Season 4 of TNG. Captain's log, Stardate 44614.6. We're approaching Starbase 313, where we will pick up a shipment of scientific equipment for transport to a Federation outpost in the Guernica system. During the journey, we will be hosting a special guest. Come. You wanted to see me, Captain? Yes, Miss LaForge. It seems that the exemplary nature of your work has caught the attention of Starfleet Command. In fact, Someone is coming on board just to see the engine modifications you've made. Who, Captain? The senior design engineer at the theoretical propulsion group, Dr. Leah Brahms. <laughs> Leah is coming here. <laughs> Whew, well, this is terrific. It is? <clears throat> well, I mean, I've studied her schematics for years. She was responsible for a lot of the engine design on the Enterprise. Well, it should be a very enjoyable visit, then. She'll be transporting on board. Yeah, very enjoyable. Of course, Jordy, you know, used her in the holodeck uh, uh, in a previous episode to help him solve uh, some problems that he was having. Oh, I think I just goofed up my playback. Sorry about that. I would love to, Captain. Thank you. Picking at that uniform, you're gonna wear it out. <laughs> uh, I guess I am a little nervous. It's uh, it's not every day a man comes face to face with his dream. Now Jordy's in a ten four. We're talking to Guy, okay, of course. You remember about a year ago when we were caught in that booby trap that Menthar set? Mm-hmm. Okay. While we were trying to get out of it, I went down to the holodeck to study an engine prototype that was made when the Enterprise was first designed, and the computer. Well, it gave me an image of the engine, but it also created this hologram of the designer, Dr. Leah Brahms. So you met a computer-simulated female? Yeah, but not an ordinary computer-simulated female. I mean, she was brilliant, of course, but 
warm, you know, friendly. And it was like we worked as one. I would start a sentence, she'd finish it. What I didn't think of, she did. It was just so comfortable. Yeah, Jordy's okay, in I love. Know it was just a holographic <laughs> image, but the computer was able to incorporate personality traits from her Starfleet record. You know, Jordy, everybody falls in love with a fantasy every now and then. Oh, no, no, Gana. See, you've got it all wrong. I'm not necessarily expecting anything romantic here. It's just, I know whatever. Leah Brahms and I are going to be good friends. Yeah, maybe, uh, think about that again. Just, uh, sometimes Dr. what you... Brahms is ready to transport. What you, your computer knows okay. is different from reality, no. but, uh... Which I think is a very interesting thing about this episode, uh, meeting a, uh, a computer version of someone now in real in real life. So, hi. I mean, um, welcome aboard, Doctor Brahms. I'm <clears throat> Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge, Chief Engineer. LaForge. So you're the one who's fouled up my engine designs. Yeah, not exactly the uh, greeting, the warm greeting that Jordy, I think, had uh, expected or wanted. So, um, dial it down here a minute to uh, give you some background of this episode. Yeah, this was from season four. It was actually the last episode they filmed in 1990, in the, in the year 1990. It didn't air until March 11th, 1991. Season four, episode 16. It uh, had a teleplay by Morris Hurley. Uh, story by Thomas Cartzonian, I think is how you say his name, or Cartazian, Cartazian, I think, and directed by Winrich Kolb, who was um, a pretty regular director on TNG. Actually, he did a lot in this season with Jordy, and he has some comments here on the on the uh, reference material that I pulled up, saying he really likes working with Lavar Burton a lot, and uh, this is kind of a Jordy year for him. They. Worked together quite a bit, and uh, you know he, he says he really likes uh, Lavar Burton. Said he was very, he felt he was very underutilized uh, on on TNG. Said uh, this is one of the things he Winrick, the director, said. He says he has a very damn good rapport with uh, Lavar, and I have a lot of fun with him. Unfortunately, he's a very underrated actor, especially in Star Trek. He just doesn't get enough to do, and that's a challenge for me and for him. He did good work in the episode, and, and I have to say I like that uh, episode that I worked on. You know, he's basically commenting on Galaxy's Child. So uh, this is a pretty well-received episode. There's basically an A and a B, two different sides, two different stories kind of going on in this episode. There's the Leia Brahms uh, tale with Jordy, and then there's, of course, this space creature that they run into here soon. Now we're getting back into the first act. Susan Gibney is, of course, playing uh, Leah Brahms here. Show me the too high ratio diminishes efficiency. I worked with the mixture until I found the right balance. The magnetic plasma transfer to the warfield generators doesn't correspond to the recommended specs. Right. Again, I adjusted the flow. Sometimes things happen a little differently in space than they do on the drawing board. Is that a criticism, Commander? No, of course not. It's just a well-known fact. There's theory and there's application. They don't always jive. You've charted a completely new swap-out schedule for main components replacement. You bet. I found Starfleet estimates for the MTBF units to be unrealistic. I simply determined my own schedule based on observation 
and experience. Is that going to be your only defense, Commander? That same tired rhetoric? Out here in the field, we <laughs> learn things you designers couldn't possibly understand. In the first place, Doctor, I'm not aware of needing any defense. And in the second place, if you're determined to be... Dr. Brahms, you have an incoming message on subspace. I'd like to hear this message privately. In my office, be my guest. Thank you. Commander. <laughs> It's I funny that she comes on and she thought Alpha that, the, you know, they said that, oh, she wants to see your engine changes and designs range, like it was a, a compliment, but not. It is an asymmetrical field of intense energy. What type of radiation signature? Unknown, sir. The Alpha Omicron system is yet to be charted. I recommend we take this opportunity for further research. Well, we're way ahead of schedule. Alter course for Alpha Omicron. There's no reason for us to argue. We're on the same side here. I'm aware of that. So why don't I take you on a little tour, show you the adjustments I've made, why I think they work, and we can begin pulling together on this? Okay. And why not start with the dilithium chamber? This is kind of funny because it seems to me like Jordy just like pretty much shut the engines down. I mean, like, I don't get that. <laughs> All the blue glowy stuff turns off and then they walk over to the engine area there. Nah, I'm just turning off the engines for a minute here. On screen. Magnify. Anyway, the um, Enterprise has gone to this planet and there's this um, something in orbit around it that looks like a big, kind of like a big worm to me a little bit in a way. This has never been seen before. And the thing that, that always reminds me it's in this regular. episode is how much this ship that they run into, this Aye, creature, what is, the the seventh planet? is uh, it looks so much like uh, the spacecraft Moya, the living spacecraft from Farscape. To coordinate all efforts with Commander Day. Aye, sir. What happened here? Who did this? You remember the crystal's been reoriented to adjust the direction of the lattice structure. Remember? Why would I remember? Right. Why would you? Uh, well, the ship was experiencing some difficulty, and we made this adjustment hoping that it would work, and it did. So it was your idea? Not exclusively, no. It's curious. This modification was due to be introduced in, in the, the next class starship. Yes. How did you know that? Um, I didn't. Well, I mean, kind of have a well, little uh, thing step, to admit to right? here. Listen, Doctor, sometimes we have to fly by the seat of our pants out here, so it stands to reason that once in a while we're going to come up with the same solutions you do. Listen, I've got a personnel review scheduled to start in about five minutes, and I know it's been a long day for you. So why don't we get together later? Sort of plan out our agenda for the next day or two? Agenda? What it is we want to accomplish here, how we might best go about that, maybe even get to know each other a little bit. It might make this easier. Maybe you're right. <laughs> okay, great. How about uh, my quarters? 1900 hours? 
Maybe even have a bite to eat. I make a great Funjili. I love Funjili. Is that right? All right, the creepy Jordy part comes out now. <laughs> I just make this. It's really great, and that's my favorite food. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Sensors are having difficulty Weird. penetrating the interior. However, the radiated output suggests a coherent system of energy storage and utilization. Then it was constructed by someone? It is a possibility. However, the center data gathered thus far suggests a naturally occurring phenomenon with biological properties. A life form. Yes, Captain. Mr. Worf, begin compiling readings for transmission to Starfleet headquarters. Mr. Data, prepare to launch three level five probes, ensign, aft thrusters, standard observational posture. Level five probe sequence ready for launch, Commander. On your mark. And uh, Counselor Advice, Troy just data. came onto the bridge. Aye, Would it be like, Counselor? No ship, no bulky spacesuits. Just to live between the stars. Have the entire galaxy as a home. Captain, we are being probed. Recommend we raise shields. Negative, Mr. Wolf. We are curious about it. There's a perfect right to be curious about us. Change in reading, sir. The life form has increased its energy output by 50%. It is moving toward us. Reverse course, Ensign. 300 kph. Aye, sir. Now, easy. I don't want to alarm or provoke it. And now the creature shoots out this sort of green electrical charge that hits the Enterprise. We are caught in an energy damping field, sir. Ray shields. No effect, Captain. Reverse power, full impulse. Impulse engines at full power. No change in position, sir. Red alert. Ms. LaForge, prepare to initiate warp drive. Sorry, Captain, there's too much interference to form a warp right. field. Warning, radiation levels at 65 millirads per minute and rising. Riker to Dr. Crusher. Go ahead, Commander. All decks, prepare for radiation protocol. Acknowledged. Crusher out. Warning. Radiation levels at 300 millirads per minute and rising. Lethal exposure in one minute. Mr. Wolf, ready phasers. Minimum power. Ready. Fire. Radiation levels dropping back to normal, Captain. Energy patterns are breaking down, sir. The radiation signature is no longer stable. Energy output is negligible, sir. Radiation patterns no longer coherent. Uh-oh. I believe it is dead, sir. Not so good. So, um, it's just kind of floating, drifting out there. Picard looks unhappy, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not here to explore. To make contact with other life forms. 
to establish peaceful relations, but not to interfere. And absolutely not to destroy. And yet, look at what we have just done. Captain, everything you did was consistent with established Starfleet procedures. Yeah, it doesn't make me when you have the bridge. Make me feel any better. Captain, sensors are picking up a new energy reading from the life form. Elaborate data. There is a new concentration of ionizing radiation growing in the center of its body. Then. Perhaps it's still alive. Now we're at uh, Jordy's quarters, which is interesting to so see. He's in uh, sort of casual uh, <laughs> no, that's, clothing, not that's his uniform. Too much. I, I don't want it dark. I want it cozy. Please state your request in precise candle power. See, it's not a matter of precision, computer. It's a matter of mood. Brighter than this. Hmm. More. More. A little more. Oh, right there. Perfect. Now, some, uh, some music. Maybe, uh, maybe a little soft jazz. Mm, no, that's, that's not right. Let me think here. Oh, I got it. Uh, some Brahms, uh, a piano at two. That's uh, too corny. Hmm. Probably everybody thinks of that. Computer, just give me some guitar. Classical guitar. Doesn't matter who. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, he's got everything all like perfectly laid out here in his quarters. Everything's, Come on in. you know, super nice and... Oh, uh, you've changed. Yeah, the uniforms are so formal. You're less formal than any Starfleet officer I've ever met, Commander. Am I? I really just wanted to make you feel more comfortable. I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, Mr. LaForge. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, come in and uh, have a seat. Uh, can I get you a drink? No, thank you. You sure? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, your hair, it's, uh, it's different. Different than a few hours ago? <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it's different than I expected. Different from your, your Starfleet records. Oh, yes, I used to wear it up. Yeah. Why would you need to see my personnel files? Standard procedure when guests come on board, protocol. I mean, it was nothing specific, actually. Just, you know. Commander LaForge, if I seem to be somewhat unyielding in my views, it's because I care so very much about my work. Oh, I, I know. To be honest, people find me cold cerebral, lacking 
and humor. But they're wrong, I assure you. Well, I try not to be that way, but when it comes to my designs, my engines, especially the ones on the Enterprise, it's like they're your children. Yes, exactly. So naturally, you're a little possessive about them. You understand that? Yes, I do. You see, I feel the same way. That's amazing. I don't think anyone has ever... Sometimes I feel more comfortable with engine schematics than people. Yeah, how about with holograms? Do you like those? So. <laughs> you hungry? I I'm hungry. Why? Why don't I just start dinner? Okay. Commander. Please call me Jordy. I'm sorry. I hope that I didn't put you to a lot of trouble, but I can't stay. You can't. I just don't think that it's appropriate. Uh -huh. I'll meet with you at 0800 tomorrow. I'm preparing a list of discrepancies that I've identified in your modifications. I hope, now that we've reached an understanding, that you'll be prepared to discuss them with me in a more objective fashion. Sure. Fine. Thank you. Good night, Commander. All right, good night, Coldfish. Goodbye. But good I worked night. so hard with the replicator to make this food, so... Uh... This new concentration of energy was detected only after the surrounding material became inert. Could this be some sort of tissue regeneration? The radiation signature is similar to the original pattern, but with significant differences. Some kind of reaction to our phase of fire, perhaps. It's a I baby! It Come on, guys! Self-contained within a baby. the body of the dead life form. Yes, sir. It appears to be a smaller, less developed version of the original creature. Huh. No wonder it attacked us. It was about to give birth. All right, just breathe, creature. Breathe, you know? So, uh... Doctor. It's dangerous to generalize about new life forms. But based on my experience with other beings who bear their young in this manner, I'd say that the offspring is still premature. Otherwise, it would be able to break through the outer body shell of the parent. Will this creature be able to survive on its own without the parent? There's no way to tell. We don't have enough information about the biofunctions of the adult, much less the child. Is there anything we can do to help? If we were in sick bay, I'd try bottle. a cesarean section. The first priority is to free it from the body of the parent. We could use our phasers as a scalpel. Yes, that might work. I advise against this, Captain. The parent proved to be a threat to the ship. We do not know how the offspring will react. Your objection is noted, Mr. Wolf, but we are directly responsible for the death of the parent. We cannot simply wash our hands of it now. Doctor, we will proceed at your discretion. Worf just wants to shoot it. Kill it all. Kill them all. Get rid of them. 
Yeah, but it's his job for security. You know, they, they did almost the die, basically, from the parents' radiation. So, I, it's understandable. I realize you know. the only way to inspect them is to crawl inside. I designed them, Commander. I know what's involved. Oh, this is uh, actually the first time on, on TNG that we get to see the TNG version of the Jeffries tube. Power which is yourself. a little different, bigger, uh, and uh, a little bit more involved than the uh, good old original series, Jeffries. They also slipped Probably into the these little the sort of like jumpsuits, gold jumpsuits, for uh, looking around the Jeffries. I've never seen anything like this before. What is it? It's a mid-range phase adjuster. Puts the plasma back into phase after inertial distortion. This has never been done before. I don't even think this has ever even been conceived of before. You should write a scientific paper. <laughs> uh-uh, Dr. New. Writing is not one of my strong suits. But this kind of refinement should be shared. And you deserve the credit for it. Well, maybe we could uh, collaborate. Writing is one of your strong points. Commander LaForge. How do you since know so board, much about me? <laughs> there seems to be something a little peculiar about your attitude. You seem to know things about me, even though we've never met. <sighs> mm, yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> and to tell you, uh, tell you the truth, uh, I've studied you. Your writings, your, your Starfleet file. I've admired you. You know, your, your work. Well, I'm flattered, but... Uh... And... <laughs> uh, well, I really... I really wanted to meet you for a long time. And... We kind of did a little. I like to think that we could become friends. Maybe good friends. I thought you knew. <laughs> I mean, you know everything else about me. But, Commander, um, if I'm hearing what I think I'm hearing, then you should know that I'm married. Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> uh. Set phaser power to 3%, narrow beam. 3%. All right. Here we go. The first incision is complete. Ideally, the offspring should now be able to push through the outer shell of the parent by itself. I think it needs a little more help. We've done all we can. I don't want to risk hitting the offspring by accident. And so they made, you know, this slice and, uh... You can do it. And now they get the little baby wormy thing coming out of, uh, the mama. Which pretty much ah, looks like the same, Captain, you know, like creature. A large baby something except it's of course much smaller version 
down. How could it have been so far off? It was based on every piece of information on record about Leah Brown. Okay, with an admitted margin for error, but this is an error that's about a light year wide. Not what you hope for, huh? Oh, Guinan, the woman is about as friendly as a Circassian plague cat. Only cares about her work, hates what I've done <laughs> to her engines. And to top it all off, she's married. Computer never even told me she was married. Computer glitch? Must have been. Maybe it was your old visor. What are you talking about? Well, the one you wore when you were on the holodeck with her. Diane, it's the same visor. Really? Well, I figured it was probably the one that lets you see what you want to see. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Nice job, guy. You saw exactly what you wanted to see on the holodeck. Sure, the computer made it look like her, gave it personality. But when it came to the relationship, LaForge, you filled in the blanks. And you had a perfectly wonderful, marvelous little fantasy. Until the real Leia showed up and ruined it. Now, she's probably done the most horrific thing one person can do to another. Not live up to your expectations. So I take a good, long, hard look at her, LaForge. See her for who she is. Not for what you want her to be. They're also playing uh, 3D chess while they're talking here in the briefing room. The life form's patterns are stable, Captain. It seems able to withstand the solar radiation. Good. And soon set a course for the Guernica system. The model of the creature here is made out of fiberglass in the original uh, episode uh, with a little bit of CG work, too. continue its existence without any further interference from us. It might be wise to put some distance between us before we initiate warp drive. Very well. 500 kPa, Jensen. Engage. So as the Enterprise slowly moves Captain, off... it is following us, maintaining a distance of four kilometers directly astern. 17 degrees to port, Anson. Aye, sir. It is turning with us, sir. Increase to half impulse. It is matching our velocity. It's imprinted on us. It thinks the Enterprise is its mother. Change in energy reading, sir. That gets a big smile a from Riker. <laughs> its velocity is increasing. It is moving directly toward the ship. Evasive maneuvers. Full. Report. Minor damage. The creature is now in direct contact with the hull, sir. On screen. Yeah, it's sort of uh, it's sort of like those one of those lamprays or whatatever they are that attaches to sharks. It's kind of hooked onto the Enterprise now. It's feeding off the energy of the Enterprise as it would from its mother. What action should we take, sir? None, Lieutenant. None at all. 
And now, of course, they're going to be kind of afraid to do anything if, you know, they, you know, with a mild phaser shot, they killed the mother. Since so. the newborn has attached itself to the hull, it has been making greater and greater demands on the ship's energy. But we have been able to stabilize our power systems temporarily. How long before the power drain becomes critical, Miss LaForge? Continues to increase at the same rate, six, maybe seven hours. We may be able to modify the engine to extend that a little longer, Captain. Your help will be appreciated, Doctor. By then, Junior may not need us anymore. Mr. Data, is there any way to determine what the destination of the parent might have been? I can't attempt to extrapolate from the heading it was on when we encountered it, sir. Perhaps it was on its way to provide a safe and supportive environment for its newborn. We might be able to deliver it to the same destination. Which brings up the question of how do we get Junior off the hull once we get there? It's almost completely covering the door of Shuttle Bay 2. If we open the door and deactivate the atmospheric force field... The pressure from inside the ship might push it away from the hull. Make it so. Sir, is the appellation Junior to be the life form's official name? No, it is not. <laughs> the uh, the name Galaxy's Child here has two sort of meanings, because, of course, the Enterprise is a Galaxy-class starship, so it's sort of like their child at this point. So that, I thought that was kind of a cool thing about the name of the episode. And, of course, it's a creature that flies through the galaxy. Do you have a file on all the work you've done? It's in the computer. I got LaForge. LaForge here. Commander, I need to see you on the bridge. On my way, Captain. You go on ahead, Dr. Ensign probably can show you the file on the engine modifications. Yeah, now that was uh, a little bit of a goof by uh, by Space coils Jordy. upgraded to 55 field densities. She has to look at the records on all the modifications that he has made, so that's going to lead to Ensign. a certain other file. Would there be any other files with data on the original engine specifications? I believe so, Doctor. This file utilizes the prototype engine schematic. It's a holographic program set in the drafting room at Utopia Planitia. I'll run it on Holodeck 3. Yeah, because she had asked to see how Jordy came up with all these modifications that he's Computer. put into place. Replay program 9140. Engine schematic at Utopia Planitia. Program loaded and ready. She went where? Holodeck 3, sir. I didn't think there was anything wrong with her seeing the file. No, of course not. Nothing at all. Come on, Jordy, don't you understand I'm password production? Every, <laughs> every time you look at this engine, you're looking at me. Every time you touch it, it's me. Oops. <laughs> Computer freeze program. Now, I understand. No, you don't. It's not the way this may look. I called up a replay of the program file. I was all ready to compliment you again, Commander, for constructing a program which contained the prototype engine so that you would always have a baseline reference for your modifications. And now I find that it's all about a fantasy plaything. It's not like that. I swear. I'm outraged by this. I have been invaded violated how dare you use me like this how far did it go anyway was it good for you nothing like that happened it was a professional collaboration oh i can tell 
Every time you're touching the engine, you're touching me, real professional. Look, if you watched the whole program, you saw what it was. We were working together to solve a problem in a crisis situation. How do I know how far it went? How many other programs did you create? Well, there was that one Saturday night when I had a little too much synthahol. All right, look. You know, but... <laughs> Ever since you came on board, you've been badgering me. And I've taken it. I've shown you courtesy and respect and a hell of a lot of patience. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. I've tried to understand you. I've tried to get along with you. And in return, you've accused, tried, and convicted me without even bothering to hear my side of it. So I'm guilty, okay? But not of what you think. Of something much worse. I'm guilty of reaching out to you. Of hoping we could connect. I'm guilty of a terrible crime, doctor. I offered you friendship. Yeah, there's a good scene with uh, LeVar there really showing, uh, you know, he, he definitely has the range and, and capability here to do a lot more. Doctor, I mean, they gave him some good stuff in TNG, don't get me wrong, and, uh, and this is definitely a showcase hours. for him. I now read it at 46 million cubic meters. Captain, I have completed the analysis of the parent's course through the system. It was headed for an asteroid belt. Anzarega, set a course 259, mark 318. Hop in, boss. Aye, sir. Hold a position 500 kilometers from the periphery of the asteroid field. Aye, sir. Also, another little side thing on this episode is this is an episode where uh, LaForge tells Scotty about this, what happens here in this episode in the, the asteroids contain large season six episode of Relics. Meclanite, which is interfering with our scanners. I'm also detecting traces of kefnium, a compound found in the outer shell of the parent being. It is likely the asteroids provide sustenance for this life form, sir. We could leave the child here if Data's right. It would have an ample supply of food. Agreed. Miss LaForge, are you ready to separate our guest from the hull? Ready, Captain. Proceed. Yeah, so there's a scene here of um, the shuttle deck and Geordi's above I in the control room. I am deactivating the atmospheric force field now. There's a lot of vibrations of the creature and everything like that, but it uh, didn't seem to, to detach it. Power drain just jumped to 93%, sir. Captain, the offspring is emitting high-frequency radio transmissions. Is it trying to communicate? The power drain is increasing, approaching auto shutdown. Take the engines offline. Supplement with auxiliary power only. All decks go to emergency level seven. Light, support, and critical operations only. Mr. Forge, what is your status? Sorry, Captain. The bay's been completely depressurized, but it's still hanging on. I am detecting other radio transmissions, Captain. Sensors detect movement within the asteroid field. Bearing 257, mark 161. On screen. Magnify. And there's a whole bunch of speed, sir, um, the entities will intercept us in creatures coming their way to 10 minutes, 31 seconds. Weapon status. Auxiliary power only. Two seconds phase of fire available. Looks like there's about only three of them heading towards the Enterprise. 
in this episode, the this uh, asteroid belt field or belt uh, will be later used uh, in a couple of other episodes of TNG in the future. Ensign power readings. On auxiliary generators. Life support is functioning. It's like, where's the rest of the engineering crew here? There's like this one female uh, ensign and Jordy. I don't know where they're. There should be like. Oh, there's another guy. Okay, all right. There's two. Oh, and here's Leah Brown. So. I have a thought. If you're interested. Of course. What is it? If the baby is nursing, perhaps what we need is to find a way to sour the milk. If we could contaminate the energy he's feeding on, we could try to make, make it unpalatable somehow. Uh-huh. But the emergency generators are all we've got. And how do we modify them without losing life support? Exactly. Unless. What? Well, this is a space baby, right? I mean, these creatures are born, they live and die in interstellar space. Apparently. Okay. All matter in space vibrates in a specific radiation band. 21 centimeters. Oh. Oh. That's good, Commander. That's very good. If we could alter the power frequency so that it's completely foreign to the life form's natural vibrations... It might just give us enough to pour a little vinegar in baby's milk. Yeah, we have to be careful, though. If we upset it this time, we might lose auxiliary power, too. If we're gradual enough, it won't be such a shock. Hopefully, it'll just lose interest. LaForster Bridge. Go ahead. Captain, Dr. Brahms and I have a plan. And now she's smiling, too. Oh, the other creatures are moving in pretty close to Enterprise here. So remember when Scotty heard about this story? You the soured the milk. Yeah, now would be a good time, Mr. LaForge. Proceed. Lowering wavelength and the energy system. I don't quite follow this whole, like, the whole galaxy vibrates at a certain frequency thing exactly, but, uh, I mean, I would have just thought changing the polarity or something like that of the energy would have been, yeah, basically the same thing, but anyway. Any reaction, Bridge? Negative. I detect no reduction in the life form's rate of energy consumption. One minute, 30 seconds to intercept. Not sour Bump it up a bit. Leah. Take it down further. Reading one. Point eight. Point four. Point two. I guess it notice what we're doing. The life form is emitting its high frequency transmission. Energy consumption is rising. Captain, the creatures are accelerating their approach. They are changing color. Mr. Forge! Captain, just a little more time. The nudge it down even further toward point oh two. Thirty seconds to intercept. Point Mr. LaForge. Oh five. Oh three. Now at point oh two centimeters. Auxiliary generators losing power, Captain. And the 
creatures are glowing, starting to glow green like they're gonna fire like the other mother did. The vibrations have stopped. The entity has disengaged, sir. Power levels are returning to normal, Captain. And now the little creature, the little baby, is going off with the rest of his kind, so... Bring the engines online and take us out of here. Bye, Junior. Aye, sir. Mr. Forge? Dr. Brahms, congratulations. You weaned the baby. Good work. You too. Yeah, I like this episode. I like the the, the team of the two of them. A little attached to that lady in the holiday. <laughs> the computer never told you that I was married. I never asked. Oh. See, and the computer is notorious for not volunteering information. <laughs> you know, I really owe you an apology. No, no, you don't. I should have told you straight out. Well, if you had, then I never would have had a chance to see the look on your face when you walked in on me. And me, in the holiday. <laughs> the look on my face? How about the look on your face? I will remember that for a long, long time. I wouldn't change a thing. Except for the way I behaved. I guess I came here with my own set of preconceptions about you. Well, I guess I'm just glad that I got the opportunity to get to know you. The real you. Me too. Warp to LaForge. There is an incoming message on subspace for Dr. Brahms. Acknowledge, Worf. LaForge out. My husband. Jordy, I want to stay here with you on the Enterprise. Can't I? Can't I stay? <laughs> Poor Jordy. The, the the most lovelorn uh, character I think in Star Trek history. Right? Had all these you know different times, different girls sort of there in in different episodes, and it just never worked out. Poor Jordy. So here we go, or there we go. That uh, is uh, Galaxy's Child. Uh, it's a fun episode. Uh, Susan Gibney back as Leah Brahms. Uh, she, of course, was in the episode Booby Trap in the hologram form. She actually appeared as an actress, not as Leah Brahms, but a different character in uh, some Deep Space Nine episodes. She appeared in Homefront and Paradise Lost as Commander Erica Benteen. She's done a lot of other uh, TV and things like that, too. So, uh, it, uh, yeah, I liked her a lot. I wish we would have... Uh, gotten a chance to see her again as uh, Dr. Brahms. I think uh, her and Jordy worked well together and it, uh, it was a good pairing of the two of them. I, I think this is a fun episode. I like the idea of these creatures in space, you know, that just live in, 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 the, in the galaxy and fly around. And, and like I said earlier, uh, while I was watching this, uh, this creature, once I started to, you know, it came later in, in the later 90s when Farscape, uh, you know, an excellent series if you haven't seen it, uh, started uh, this creature from Galaxy's Child always reminded me of what Moya, the big living ship that Crichton and his uh, companions flew around uh, space in, and 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 because also not just the shape and the look of it, but uh, 
the fact that Moya on Farscape was this living ship that, you know, like just like in this case, this living creature in space and uh, had the ability to fly through space and that. So a fun episode, Galaxy's Child. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing the episode and hearing me uh, gab about it a little bit. So uh, next here, you're going to hear a little bit more uh, related to this episode where Rick Moyer is going to tell you his thoughts on this episode of TNG and a new song. So take it away, Rick. And uh, after that, I'll be back to just wrap up today's podcast. Hey, everybody at Treks and Sci-Fi. This is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 on the forums. And uh, Rick Moyer on Facebook. How's it going? Hey, Rico, you are covering such a cool episode. The second part of uh, a little arc that they had uh, on TNG with uh, Leah Brahms and Jordi LaForge. This particular episode I have watched over and over and over and over. One of my faves. Of course, I say that about every episode, don't I? But I really enjoyed the, uh, I thought the CGI was pretty good on this and fun to see a, a creature out in space and to see the uh, doctor do the little surgery in space with the phasers. And uh, just the whole thing was really, really good. And of course, you know, we all knew what was coming when she discovered, when Leah discovered uh, the uh, holodeck simulation of herself. Oh, man, I thought Jordy was going to bite it, man. He was going to be in big trouble. But, of course, it worked out, and, and they they became friends. And as we know, in all good things, the last episode of Star Trek, um, Next Generation, we find that in the future, well, one of the possible futures, that uh, Jordy is married to Leah Bronze. So go figure. Go figure. I give the episode a whopping five out of five. That's how much I enjoyed it. Five space creatures. That's what I give it. Uh, one Again, one of my favorites. So I wrote a song. Or, a, or I did a parody song. I mean, the song was already written, uh, but I did a parody to it. And instead of Van Halen singing You Really Got Me, uh, I did She Doesn't Love Jordy. So here you go, everybody. Another parody song after a long hiatus. Here you go. Enjoy. Dr. Brahms is ready to transport, sir. Okay. Bring her over. Hi. I mean, um, welcome aboard, Dr. Brahms. I mean, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. LaForge? So you're the one who's fouled up my engine design? Studium at Starbase 313. We picked you up so you could see our engine. Liam, you changed your hair, you know. On the holodeck, you were out of sight. Leah, you walk right into me, not even giving me the time of day. Leah, come and dine in with me. I'll make this dinner, how about food, Jilly? She called my Jordy. She called my Jordy. She called my Jordy. Picard explores an alien. He shoots it dead in space, but inside. There's a baby, watchman call it? They do a C-section and it survives. The thing, it latches onto them and tries to nurse the Enterprise. Meanwhile, in the Jeffrey's tomb, Jordy makes his move on this prom. She don't love Jordy. She don't love Jordy. She don't love Jordy. Wow, you're what? Man! 
Good, Commander. That's very good. If we could alter the power frequency so that it's completely foreign to the life form's natural vibrations, it might just give us enough to pour a little vinegar in baby's milk. Awesome, awesome. Uh, again, to have another cool song from Rick Moyer. Uh, great job, Rick, and it's it's been too long. So thanks so much for that. Uh, yeah, she don't love Jordy. <laughs> Uh, but I had forgotten about that in the alternate future timeline. Jordy mentions that he's married to uh, to Doctor Brahms, so that that was a cool thing. Uh, one an interesting other little tidbit that I forgot to mention. I was going to say is that uh, originally when they first did the booby trap episode, uh, which I've covered before, I'm pretty sure on the podcast, right? Uh, in previous uh, in a previous time. But uh, they were going to actually have her name Daystrom after Doctor Richard Daystrom, you know, from the original series. Uh, and she was going to be like a, a daughter or a descendant of, of him, probably a daughter, I think. Uh, and uh, But uh, they realized at the time, or didn't realize for some reason, that they when they were talking about the name, they had already hired Susan Gibney to play uh, this character. Uh, and, of course, she wasn't black, so they forgot that Daystrom was black or whatever. They, they realized they needed a black actress, an African-American actress, to, to play if it was going to be Daystrom. So anyway, they renamed her to Alea Brahms, and, and, and the rest is history, as they say. So thanks again for your comments, Rick, and for the new cool new song. The cool new song. New cool song. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's about it, folks, for this week. I'm just going to throw out uh, what's coming up on the show. Next week, uh, I've got the schedule mapped out pretty much th- through uh, the next month and a half or so. Next week, it's going to be Mark uh, with one of his classic sci-fi movie reviews. He's going to look at Destination Moon. Also, uh, great to have him back doing more of those. I really enjoy those. The week after that, two weeks from now, on the 26th of January, I'm going to cover a pretty mega huge project or uh, idea here. I want to cover the DC uh, animated films, you know, the Batman, the Superman movies, the Justice League films. I'm going to try to just sort of give you an overview of what's out there, what I think are the real highlights of the of the movies and that. So uh, that'll be in two weeks. On the second, I guess, another guest spot, you're going to get a book review. Uh, they're going to talk about this cool book uh, in the Star Wars universe called Kenobi. You're going to have Chris, Jen, Brian, and Joe, uh, uh, you know, pretty much the, the you know, uh, dream team to me of, of, of podcasters. I mean, you know, these are very experienced people covering Kenobi, which I'm reading right now. I'm about, I guess I'm about two-thirds through the book. It's it's a really fun book to read. And, and the cool thing about this Star Wars EU book, Kenobi, is you really don't need to know anything else in the EU. I mean, you, you, you basically only really need to have seen the Star Wars films to kind of figure out where it's set. It's basically set uh, in, in the period of time um, pretty much not too long after Episode 3. So 
but it's a, it's a great book. It's kind of a Western in a way, uh, but uh, I don't want to say too much more, but it, it, it's definitely worth the read. Real fun book to read, and, that, and that'll be on the 2nd of February. On the 9th of, of February, I'm going to cover the Voyager episode, Infinite Regress. And on the 16th of February, uh, Chris and I are going to be back in our Arnold Conan mode, you know, and we're going to be covering the next Conan movie, uh, Conan the Destroyer, <laughs> which I already can tell is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I think what we're going to plan on doing is we're just going to kind of do a, a full movie commentary, almost like a riff tracks uh, or a mystery science theater uh, take on that. We're not. We're going to give it a little bit more of a fun treatment, maybe. Even though we did a lot, have a lot of fun with the Conan movie, this time I think we're just going to comment uh, while we watch the film. So that'll be probably kind of a long episode where we talk about the whole movie. Although it's, I think that movie's only like an hour and a half. So that's what's upcoming on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thanks so much, everybody. A few last things, uh, housekeeping things. You can always email me treksf at gmail.com. Please join our Facebook group. Uh, just go over to facebook.com slash treks and sci-fi also check out the vimeo videos all from the austin comic con and secret santa just go over to vimeo v-i-m-e-o dot com slash trekkie uh or or search for treks and sci-fi will probably work for it but uh, vimeo slash trekkie and uh, you'll find those over there and uh you know itunes reviews PayPal donations, all that good stuff, always welcome. Uh, just go to the main site, trucksandsci-fi.com, for more information. So uh, that's about it. Uh, I, I'm really happy with, uh, you know, we've gotten a bunch of new members on the Facebook group lately. Uh, and uh, please, if any of you on Facebook like that, come on over and join the forum, too. We're, uh, we we uh, have a good group over there as well, talk about some things a little bit maybe in more depth sometimes on the the forum than we can on facebook although they're both fun and good and uh, i'd love it if you're in both places so that's all folks i hope you've enjoyed this uh uh classic style treks and sci-fi show uh, the first one for 2014 i'll talk to you in a couple of weeks next week again destination moon with mark so take care bye-bye Dusty Podcast Production.